So anything really is possible, isn't it? Yes. And I, I was out uh, jogging here a couple of weeks ago, and God speaks to me when I run. I guess it's because there's no roof uh, impeding my, my hearing. Not real sure, but uh, literally, I was. Uh, we were actually quarantining that weekend because we had the suspicion that Jackson might have the thing, and he didn't have the thing, fortunately. But um, but I went out for a run that afternoon, and God just dropped this message on me, and I'd had it this text in my heart for a while, but I literally stopped running on that road, and I texted Pastor, and I said, "Hey, I think I have a word for us in this series. I don't think this series is over." And he graciously allowed me to take this weekend to share it with you, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Okay. <laughs> It's a word from God for us for right now, and I want you to receive it that way. Um, we're going to be in 2 Kings, and I always like to kind of give a little bit of text or context rather to the text so that you kind of know where we are and what's going on, but this is in 2 Kings chapter 4, and in 2 Kings, this particular story is going to take place somewhere in the, the range of 848 to 797 BC, and this would have been before the exile of Israel, but after Israel split into the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And the major characters in our story today are, number one, Elisha. And you typically can't mention Elisha without mentioning Elijah, because they, they kind of are partners. Uh, Elisha was kind of the protege of Elijah. But just to kind of help you understand kind of who these people were, if you're not familiar, because I grew up in, hearing the Bible stories, and I, sometimes I'll be talking about Scripture to somebody, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so I want to kind of color this in for you. But Elijah, uh, he was the guy in Scripture a prophet of God, that uh, the scripture records eight miracles that he performed, um, a highly anointed prophet of the Lord. And he did the miracles such as shutting up heaven. Um, he talked to King Ahab and told him there'd be no rain and literally shut up the rain from heaven for a season. Uh, he multiplied the widow's oil. He, he called down fire from heaven on the, the sacrifice of God when he was opposing the prophets of Baal as they were all you know, cutting themselves and running around and calling out to Baal. Uh, Elijah doused it with water and called fire down that consumed the sacrifice, the altar, the water, the dirt, you know, <laughs> all the things. This Elijah. And so Elijah's ministry is winding down and his protege, Elisha, uh, who was one of the key uh, persons in this story is following him around. And Elijah is trying, um, Elisha wants to kind of take the mantle from Elijah. Um, but Elijah, you know, Elisha, Elijah rather, asks him, what, what do you want? And Elisha says, I want double what you've got. I want, a, I want a two times power up of your anointing. And Elijah said, okay, well, you can have it if you see me get caught up in the air. And so several times Elijah tries to ditch him. I don't know if you can see this in scripture, but he keeps going to these different places and he's like, wait here. And Elisha's like, uh-uh, like I'm, wherever you go, buddy, I'm with you. And Elisha follows him around until that moment happens and there's a fiery chariot with fiery horses that God sends down out of the heavens to pick Elijah up. And as he's being lifted and Elijah, Elisha's walking, or watching rather, Elijah's mantle falls and his cloak his mantle falls, and Elisha picks it up. And immediately, Elisha goes and performs the same miracle that he'd just seen Elijah do by parting the Jordan River. And then in Scripture, if you like trivia, if, if Elijah did eight recorded miracles, how many do you think Elisha did that were recorded in Scripture? Man, you guys are so smart. 
double, 16. Now, that may not have been all that they did, but that's all recorded in Scripture. But I just love how God's Word continues to, to confirm itself in yeah. these unique ways. And I'd never seen that till I was studying this time through. But it's such a cool picture of the hand of God on this prophet of God. Also in this story is Gehazi. He's the servant to Elisha. And then there's the Shunammite woman. And like other characters in the Bible that we uh, read about, you have uh, some such as the woman with the issue of blood. You have lepers. You have there's there's so many characters in the Bible that God doesn't name for for different reasons. What I like to think is for those characters, God wants us to put our name in the blank. And I want you to do that with me today. Today, the burden that I have for this message is great. It is significant. And God told me as I studied for this, and, and, and when pastor and I say that God told us something, we just don't tell you that because it was a good idea. I'm not going to say that to you unless God told me to tell you. Otherwise, I'll say, I think God said, or this is what I think God's doing or saying. But when I tell you today especially that God said this, this is literally what God spoke into my spirit for you today. Amen? Amen. But he said that um, he wanted me to just to tell the story of the Shunammite woman. And so rather than having points today, I'm going to have what I'm calling bookmarks. And so we're going to kind of go through and bookmark through the story as we cover it today. Uh, but continuing the series, Anything is Possible, the message title that I have for you today, the message that I have is called Call Waiting. And that'll make sense in just a second, but I want to pray over you. Father, we just open our hearts to you. I pray that any distraction from the enemy would be silenced, that any care of life that we have that's outside of this room or even inside of this room, that you would hush it, that you would still it, help our minds and hearts to be attentive to receive your word. And we pray that you would speak to our heart and change us forever in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The text is from 2 Kings chapter 4. And the first bookmark is called Call History. And all that will make more sense here in just a second. But Call History. Verse 8. Now there came a day when Elisha went over to Shunem, where there was a prominent and influential woman. Someone say leader. She was a leader. And she persuaded him to eat a meal. Afterward, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. She said to her husband, Behold, I sense that this is a holy man of God who frequently passes our way. Please let us make a small, fully walled upper room on the housetop and put a bed there for him with a table, a chair, and a lampstand. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he can turn in there. One day he came there and turned into the upper room and lay down to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Now he said to Gehazi, Say to her now, You have gone to all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? Would you like to be mentioned to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answered, I live among my own people in peace and security and need no special favors. What she's saying there, guys, is that I'm not doing this to get anything from you. I'm doing this because I love the Lord and I love the man of God. So there's no ulterior motive. She's also saying that she's in a, a situation in her life where she's surrounded by her family. And while her husband, as we find out in this text, is older, she's got family and she's got a place. And so she's doing this from a pure heart is kind of my point. So later, after she leaves, Elisha says, 
What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. So Gehazi called her, and she came and stood in the doorway. A message title, again, is Call Waiting. What I felt strongly that the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning, to all of you, is there's going to be a call during this message, and he's going to ask you to come to the doorway. And we'll unfold that together as we walk through this story, but I, I really want you to connect with me right now. Don't be distracted. The Holy Spirit is already speaking to some of you, and I promise you by the time we're done, it'll be apparent what he's saying, okay? Bookmark number two, call blocking. How many have ever blocked a call? In this day and age, if you haven't blocked a call, kudos to you. Like, <laughs> just <laughs> I have a list of blocked numbers in my phone a mile long. But they keep finding my number. I don't know how they do it. Um, how many of you have blocked a call that you know you should take before? Yeah. Okay, that's the call I'm talking about today. <laughs> not, not the other ones. All right. So now she has answered the call of Elijah. She's standing in the doorway. And we pick up our text in verse 16. Elisha said, at this season next year, you will embrace a son. And look at her response. She said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. What do you think this response tells about her life story? What she's saying right there is, don't mess with me, man of God. Don't you mess with me. Right? She's been through some stuff. Right? She's call blocking. She said, no, my Lord. Mm-mm. I, but what I love about this story, though, guys, look, like, don't miss this. You see in her what we can see in the window of the story that's presented in Scripture, the character of this woman. She's not bitter. She's not angry. She hasn't turned her back on God. Matter of fact, she's seeking out the man of God to bless him so that he can do his work and further the ministry of God, right? Because Elisha lived 33 miles from this woman, that's why she built it, so that when he came through there, he always had a place. And it wasn't an inn. Like, she didn't build it and then rent it out to make some extra money on the side. She built it, and she set it aside for him. That whenever he happened to come by, it was always ready. Don't miss that. But what I love about this, this lady is you can, all of us can identify with this story. Because all of us have had the moment, right? where we've heard God call. Hey, Mark, remember? And we've got, no, 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 no. Like that, no, I, I'm good, God. Like, I'm good. I'm so good. <laughs> I got it. Like, I, God, yes, I wanted to be a mom. I felt a calling to be a mom. But I, I've let it go. It's okay. I don't need it. Like, I've, I figured out how to get along without it. And God's saying, it's not over till I say it's over. Amen. What God's speaking to you all today is that very thing. You think 
it's dead and buried and gone in your past and that you've, like me, in some cases in my life, taken that, you know, if you can imagine your heart, the furthest room you can find in your heart on the furthest hallway in the darkest part and you've shoved it in a room and you've locked it and you said, and that's not a, that's not a path you go down anymore. That's where the Shunammite woman was. She had a calling to be a mom, but it didn't happen. And she had made peace with it. And some of you have made peace with it. You're like, yeah, but I messed up. Or, man, some life stuff happened. Some things happened. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Elisha hit that still raw place in her spirit. And that's how you know there's, un, there's, there's something there. That's how you know if, if there's still healing that needs to occur, if there's still purpose in you, is when the Holy Spirit taps on that place, it hurts a little bit. It's sensitive. It's raw. Bookmark number three, call received. Second Kings 4, the very next verse, 17. But the woman conceived, one verse later, the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that season the next year, just as Elisha had said to her. Something happened between verse 16 and 17. She said, no, man of God, mm -mm, I can't. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't go there. I'm good. Please, I'm, just let me serve you. Like, I built you a room. Like, you know, I made a place for you. I'm, I'm helping you. And, he, and what he's saying and what God's saying to you today is, I've got something more for you. And the, the awesome thing about God, one of the, the awesome things about him is when he gives you something, he doesn't take it away. And if we look at this, there's a couple of things I wanted to kind of bring out today. There's two specific groups of people that God spoke directly to me today as I studied this and unpacked it for this message that, that are hearing me in this moment. And whether you're online right now or whether you're in this room, there's these two groups. The first group is this one. You've known or felt your call or purpose at one time in your life, but for whatever reason, you never saw it. Perhaps it was fear. You think life mistakes have disqualified you. Failure, pain, shame, abuse, or similar experiences that happened to you that were not your fault that caused you to lose heart or to give up, caused you to not pick up the phone and answer the call. But today, God's calling you to the doorway, just like Elisha did. He's calling you to the doorway, and guess what? The call's still waiting. In my story, I've told you guys a little bit about Elena and I's story before, but we both grew up as pastor's kids. How many PKs do we have in the room? God bless you. <laughs> God bless you guys. <laughs> it's real. The struggle's real, I'm just telling you. But grew up in church. Grew up, my grandfather was a pastor. Um, I remember my first memory of church was in his church. Um, they were having a Jericho march, and I was under the front pew. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I do. I, I don't know why that's the thing I remember, but I remember laying there and like apparently waking up and seeing the feet go past me. <laughs> front row. Front, center row, left-hand side. That's where I was. My mom and dad are here so they can, they can verify. 
but grew up around ministry, you know, grew up in, uh, my dad and mom had their first pastorate, um, and there was a lot of good things about, about serving the Lord in ministry and, and all, but there was a lot of bad, too. And I watched my parents go through some really, really hard things. And I watched them continue to give and love people and continually be hurt by them and question their integrity and question you know, their, uh, their heart. Their, you know, in some cases, just, just you know, their, their ethics, their morals. And I, and I attacked them. And ultimately, it led to my parents deciding to, to let that church go and to, to leave their, their call for a season. And I made some judgments in my heart about God, about church in that season. And when my wife and I got married, she also was a PK. And um, she'd seen some of the similar things, maybe not exactly the same. Um, but we both kind of made a pact, like, you know what? We'll, we're not going to lose our faith. We love God, love God's people, love the church, but we're not going to work for a church. <laughs> um, there's more to the story, apparently. Um, but, but legitimately made an inner vow. God, will serve you. We'll do whatever you ask us to do, but just that's off the table. And I can tell you that um, the things that I've been through in my life, have, I've always known. And I like to joke about, you know, uh, before I came on staff especially, I, I always like to kind of joke about, well, my grandpa was a preacher, my dad was a preacher, my brother's a preacher, and the preaching gene skipped me. And uh, that was kind of my defense mechanism. Like, I'm just keeping that way over there. But guess what? It was locked away in that dark corner of my heart in a very, like, off the beaten path. There was cobwebs on the door. There was luggage and baggage and all kinds of stuff stacked in front of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, we just, I just shoved all the crap I could back there <laughs> so that I couldn't get to it. But guess what? It was still there. And I'm, I'm preaching to somebody today. I can just feel it. But I want, you to hear, I want you to hear this, guys. Hear this. This scripture, get a tattoo of it. Um, right, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe get a temporary tattoo of it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get in trouble. Boy, like, pastor said I could get a tattoo. Um, no, no. Maybe... Write it down in your journal. Um, <laughs> write it in pen on your palm. Uh, listen to the scripture, because this is the one I want you to, if you don't, if you miss everything I've said today, I want you to hear this. This is Romans eleven twenty nine, 29. And God's very clear. He says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. You can't mess it up. Amen. Give God a praise for that. You can't mess it up. How many have tried to mess it up? I love the amplified version of that same scripture. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, for he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Aren't you thankful you have a God who does not change his mind? He didn't wake up this morning and go, hmm, yeah, well, I guess Mark's not going to do it, so I guess I'll give it to this guy. God never had that day. There's not a day that God exists. He doesn't wake up, by the way, but there's not a day that God exists that he doesn't, 
he, he thinks for a second or has a change of mind or a change of heart because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means that if he put a call in you before you were born, which the scripture says, it is irrevocable. You can't get away from it. Call waiting. Call waiting. Strong up here. I don't know about down there. But I'm just... <laughs> When I looked up, I don't do a lot of, I probably should, but I don't look up a lot of Greek and Hebrew, mostly because I have no idea what I'm doing. But um, I looked up the Greek of the word call as it's used here in Romans and, and the scripture I just read. And I love this. It was so good. Um, typically, the way this word is used in the New Testament, it tends to uh, allude to salvation or conversion. But this is a little different. And this is what it had to say about it. This points beyond a change of mind and heart to the very action of God. Here, the creative word of God is clearly visible. This is not a call that can be ignored. It requires action. It comes from the one who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Isn't that good? That'll preach all by itself. But when we're talking about a call, we're talking about God's purpose, God's plan. And we all have one. And there's not one that's more important than any other. I don't care what the TV preacher said, right? Every one of us has a God-infused call. One of the reasons why we have the little tagline on our church, connecting people to purpose, is we feel so passionate about connecting people to the call of God. Like, what does God have for you? You have an assignment. You have a call that only you can do, that only you are uniquely gifted for. Amen? It's okay to clap. That's good. That'll preach. So listen to the Holy Spirit as I share this morning. You may have blocked him in the past, but he's calling from a different number to reach you today. You may have blocked that number, but... I'm calling from a different number today because God showed me in my, in my prayer time, I saw you, and I saw you responding to this message today. Amen? Yes. So prepare yourself to respond. I'm going to, I felt such a burden for this. I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. I felt such a burden for this. This was going to be a shorter message anyway, but such a burden for this that I, I got with Maria very late in the week, and I had her help me put together a prayer team for just this weekend. And we're going to wear masks, and we're going to observe the right protocols, but we are going to have a response today. Because some of you physically need to make the declaration and take the step to the doorway. It's not enough to stand in your seat and go, okay, I will. You need to take a step of faith, and you need to walk down to the altar and lay all the junk and the garbage and the baggage and all the stuff you've been carrying that has kept you from it, that you've in some cases stacked against the door to keep the door shut. And God's going to free you from that, and he's going to put it in your heart. He's going to refire it because you're going to answer the call, and he's going to start showing you the way. And guess what? You know, if you're scared of it like I have been at times, God is good. He is gracious. If he gave you a vision that scared you a long time ago of you speaking to a stadium full of people, guess what? He's going to start with one. Yeah. 
And then when you're faithful with that, he might send you two. Or whatever it looks like in your life. But God will walk you through it. Amen? Amen. So bookmark number four, call on hold. And this is for the second group of people that I mentioned. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 18. When the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. But he said to his father, my head, my head. The man said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he carried him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And it was all over. Or was it? The second group of people that I'm talking to today, you've held the promise. You answered the call. And something happened. And I don't know what it was. But you know what it was. And God knows what it was. And part of the burden I carry for this message today is he's talking to you too. And whether it was something that happened as a result of your actions or behavior or decisions, doesn't matter. Maybe it was completely out of your hands. It does not matter. Because God's call is what? Irrevocable. You can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. Do you hear me, church? You can't mess it up. And he didn't take it away. She, in truth here, the other thing that's beautiful about this story is when God gives you a call or gives you a purpose, he maintains it. He carries the burden for it with you. In this story, her son died. Well, what is that? As humans on planet Earth, can we identify with the struggle this woman was having in this moment for a second? But I want you to look at her response, and this is the response you're going to make today. It wasn't over. What did she do? She placed him on the bed of the man of God. This was a room that was undisturbed. As I said, this was dedicated solely to the man of God. She goes and places his dead body on the bed that I believe represents putting it into the hands of God. The bed is an intimate place. He put, she put her son in a place that she knew that he would be okay, but that also that no one else would be able to see and disturb her faith. Because in Jewish custom, 24 hours, you had to put the body in the ground. So now all of a sudden, there's some urgency attached to this too. And that urgency is part of what I want you to feel this, this morning as I'm talking. This is urgent, okay? We can't wait anymore. And she didn't wait. So right here, she doesn't even tell her husband what happened. She just goes out and said, I need a donkey and a servant pronto. I need it now. And when her husband speaks to her, she says what? Shalom. Peace. Also could be translated as everything will be well. She had a little bit of faith. I'm asking you this morning, you just got to have a little bit of faith. Just... Just a little bit. God can work with our little bit. So she orders a servant to haul donkey down to Mount Carmel. 
<laughs> it was a it was a donkey. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's your Bible. Like I don't, I don't know. Looking at me all funny. Um, don't read the King James version of that. I'm just saying. Um, so they get to Mount Carmel and. Elisha recognizes her from afar off, and he sends Gehazi down. And Gehazi, uh, Gehazi rather, I get, I'm not great with those names. Gehazi reaches her, and he says, are you okay? Are, are, is your child okay? Is your husband okay? And what does she say? Shalom. Everything will be well. That's a word for somebody today. Everything will be well. Everything will be well. In verse 27, when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi approached to push her away, but the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is desperate and troubled within her. How many of you have felt desperate and troubled? And the Lord has hidden the reason from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask for a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not give me false hope? What is she saying there? I didn't even ask you to give me a son. And now he's dead. What's going on? But what I love about this story is look at what she's doing. She's grabbed a hold of his feet. And she's like, I don't know what's going on, but I know you know what's going on. And I know you can take care of what's going on. And then Elisha tries to send the servant back Gehazi he's like basically I'll send him back to take care of it for you and she's like <laughs> where is she at as the Lord lives and as your soul lives I will not leave you you can send your servant fine I'm not he can do whatever I'm not leaving here until you go with me because she knows what he's capable of she has no idea what he's capable of That'll, that'll preach too. There's a lot of sermons in this text. I'm just saying. I'm having to move past them. But So Gehazi goes. He stops for no one. He gets there. He lays his staff over the kid. Nothing. He comes back. It didn't work. And the Shunammite, in my mind's eye, looked at it. Elisha went, mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so verse 32. When Elisha came into the house, the child was dead and lying on his bed. So he went in, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his eyes, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself out on him and held him. And when I read that this morning as I was going over my notes, I felt the Holy Spirit speak, God's holding on to your call. He is holding on to your miracle. Then the boy's skin became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up again and stretched himself out upon him. And the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Why seven times? Because it wasn't six. I don't know. (laughs) Seven is God's number. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody has done a study on that and taught a very masterful message about what the seven sneezes represent. But all I can tell you is that it was God's number. He sneezed, and he came back to life. He opened his eyes. Then Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her, 
And when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing herself to the ground in respect and gratitude. And then she picked up her son and left. And that was bookmark number five, Call Restored. There was another component of this story, and I, I, I debated on whether I would put it in my notes or not, and I'm just going to share it with you because I did in the first service, and I don't want to jip you guys. Like, I feel like this is important for someone. Um, this isn't the end of the Shunammite story. As I was studying this text, it continues in chapter 8 of, of this text, of this book, Second Kings. And here's what's really unique about it, because if you're like me, you ask questions of the Bible, you read a story like that, and you look at it, well, it had a happy ending, but God, why in the world did the kid have to die? Like, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. There's nothing in that chapter that tells me or gives any understanding, and, and we don't always get that. And, and let me just tell you, again, I, I preached a message on Job you know, a few weeks ago or a month or two ago, whatever it was now. There's stuff that happens in our life that we'll never understand. I'm here to tell you, we've all got the stories, okay? I've lived them, you've lived them. There's stuff this side of glory or heaven that we will never be able to understand. But trust me when I tell you that God's got you. That no matter what the struggle is or no matter what the pain is in this story, the death of her son, there is always a redemption plan. There always is. And in that text, and I won't read it, but I'll just summarize it for you, what's happening is Elisha comes to the Shunammite and says, there's about to be a famine, and I want to send you out of the land to protect you and your family. And he sends her to live among the Philistines for seven years. And then when that seven years is up and the famine is quelled, she comes back. But when she comes back, she doesn't have a house or land anymore because it's been taken over. And so she has to go to the king to throw herself on the mercy of the king. And irony of all ironies, who is at the king's palace? It's Elisha's servant. The king has just asked him, hey, tell me about some of the great miracles of Elisha. And Gehazi recounts the story of the Shunammite woman. And then as she walks up, he's like, that's her. That's her son. That's her and her son. And the king is like, Amazing. And so what does he do? She submits her request. I don't have my land or my home anymore. And the king says, send her one of my attendants and send her back to reclaim her home and land. And by the way, all the money that she would have made off the land and her, her estate while she was gone for the seven years, give her that too. Yeah. yeah. As God is my witness, I've never connected that until this study, and I don't know if I just skipped it and thought it was two separate things or what, but my point of telling you is that God always has a redemption story. And not only did she, was she restored what was rightfully hers, but God put some with it to take care of her and her son and her family, just like God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close with this. I was praying for you guys Friday morning. I was, uh, it was just starting to turn a little cooler. How many appreciate the cool fall weather? Whew, I do. And so Elena was in the house reading and I said, hey, I'm going to go out back to the back porch and just pray um, over the message and this weekend. And so I was literally, I, I don't, you guys probably noticed this, but I, I pace a lot. Like I just, 
I pace. When I pray, I pace. I just pace. If I'm sitting down, I don't pray as well. I don't know what that's all about, but God knows. But as I was praying, God reminded me of something. And it fit. It was just a Holy Spirit moment. And so it, it helps connect today so well. Um, when we first moved into our home about five years ago, we were doing some landscaping. Guys, you can put that first pick up. On the far right of this picture, uh, that plant is called a sago palm, if you're not familiar with all the things, and I'm not. To me, it was a palm tree, and I was corrected. It is a sago palm, because it's not going to grow to be a tree. It's a little palm bush. So um, we planted that, and a couple of winters later, we had a pretty hard freeze, if you guys remember here a few years ago, and that bush didn't survive, and it got brown and crusty and nasty and we kept hoping my wife and I kept looking at it as we'd please Jesus help it <laughs> and it just kept looking worse and finally I, I pulled it up and even the root structure it was just this ball of black and brown mush and it had these bugs that were all up in it and I was like well that's that's gone so this is exactly what happened as God is my witness. I took it and I was walking and behind our house, there's just a bunch of woods. And I was just gonna take that thing and just fling it over the fence. And as I was about halfway back there, um, you can put the second pick up. This is the corner of my yard. And so my, my yard's kind of like a pizza shape. The house is kind of north towards the front and then it kind of fans out. So this would be the very back edge of my property. So see those stones right there? That was the leftover stone from our house that I still haven't done anything with. <laughs> That's just, I'm going to call it my altar of remembrance. Um, but if you, if you can kind of see with me, the fence goes back to the back edge of the woods there, and then you have the rocks. In between the fence and the woods, um, there's a space. And I was mowing the other day, and, when I, and I don't often mow right up close to that area because it's mostly kind of sand, but I mowed and um, I turned past it and something caught my eye. And when I was telling you earlier that I took that bush to chunk it in the woods, I decided instead just to kick a little hole in the dirt and just chunk what was left of that thing in the hole and covered it up. And two years later, this next picture is what I saw. Now, there were some weeds in front of it and some thorns, and there was a bunch of, I even cleared a little bit of stuff out of the way so you could see that well. And so I pulled the weeds up, and I kind of straightened up the area, and I took this next picture. And here's what I didn't know. That thing was dead. Bug-infested, crusty, brown, black, ugly as all get out, and my wife's here if you want to verify. And I just shoved it in the ground. And literally my thought, and I told Elena this yesterday, we were walking, I told her, I said, I remember my thought. My thought was, well, if it lives, it lives. If it dies, it dies. And two years later, that happened. And here's what God spoke to me as I was praying the other morning, Friday, as I was doing my pacing. And, and God, I, I walked out to that area and I took this picture. What I didn't know, now, now get this. Get lean in, okay? I stuck that thing in the back part of my yard where I couldn't see it because I didn't want to see that dead ball of whatever 
back there. I stuck it as far away as I could possibly get it from my house and from my, my line of sight. There's no sprinkler system over there. There's, I did not care for that thing. I didn't water it. I didn't put miracle Grow on it. I didn't pray over it. I didn't try to talk to it. I literally stuck it out there and forgot about it. And God said, there's some of you in this room that you have stuck your call. And you have stuck your miracle in the corner of your heart, in the corner of your yard. And you've forgotten about it. You didn't care for it. Matter of fact, you're just like, if it dies, it dies, whatever. And what God's saying is, Mark, put that last picture back up. I've been taking care of it. God's been taking care of your call. Just like that little palm plant, what I didn't know is somewhere in that mishmashed, jacked up looking dead plant, there was a seed. God's gifts and calls are without repentance. They're irrevocable. All you need is a seed. And I want that image to be burned in your mind this morning because what he's saying to you today is that whether it was intentional or not, your call has been neglected. You haven't been attending to it. You haven't been praying over it. You haven't been taking it to him. But he's not upset at you because what he's saying today is, I've got it. Call waiting. Stand with me if you would. As I said, he's called you out just as Elisha called the Shunammite woman, but you're going to have to make the decision to come to the doorway. She also had a decision after Elisha spoke that word. You're going to have a baby. And she initially tried call blocking and said no. But she took the step. And I know that because if she had refused it, she wouldn't have had a baby. So you all this morning have a call waiting. Ring, 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 ring. Bow your heads with me if you would. I mentioned two groups of people. I'm going to get to you guys in just a second, but there's a third group that I want to speak to real quick. When I was talking about that picture of my heart with all the baggage in front of it, the lock on the door, or when I was talking about the little palm plant with all the thorns and all the weeds and garbage in front of it, that's kind of where you are. God has a call on your life, but before you can even have that conversation, you've got to give your life to him. But the call is the same. His plan for you, his call on you, is first to be a son or daughter of God. And whether you've never known him or whether you've been running, and maybe you received that call at one time, but you've run away from him, today's the day of salvation. 
So here's what you're going to do. Our Lord Jesus was beaten and walked a very bloody road to Golgotha to put himself on a cross for us, for our sin. And all I'm going to ask you to do this morning is to raise your hand and let me pray for you. So if that's you this morning and maybe you had one time received the call of God, but you've turned away, or maybe you knew that you were called, but you never stepped to the doorway. If that's you and you need to make things right with Jesus today or you need to come to him for the very first time and respond to his call with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Pray something like this with me, if you would. Jesus, I love you. I confess you as the Lord of my life. Forgive me for all the junk, for all the sin, all the things I've been carrying that I wasn't designed to carry. Wash me clean with your blood that you gave for me so willingly. I confess you as my Lord, my Savior, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name. And just like that, all the baggage is removed from in front of the door, and the door's unlocked. We want to pray with you. If that was you, please email us at prayer at pathway.team or just simply my pathway prayer at 77977 and we'll we'll hook you up with some free resources and, and help you any way we can. But we want you to respond. That's just the first step. There's so much more. Thank you for responding. If you're in one of those other two groups, this is for you. So prayer team, if you'll come down. I know we haven't had a prayer team since we came back from all the COVID stuff. But I've asked them to come and wear masks, and we've got masks available for all of you as well. And there's a lot of them because a lot of you are going to respond. Because I'm, I'm up here looking at you, and I'm looking at the tears, and I'm looking at it hit home, and there's a lot of you. And I made this message shorter to try to make room for that today. That's, this is the most important part of today. And so here's what we're going to do. If you're in the first group, which is you know that there's a call on your life, but you've never attempted to walk it or you've never held it in your hand, then when I dismiss in a moment, you're going to come down here and you're going to get prayer because God's going to restore it today. He's going to put you on the path today. But you're going to have to take a step to the doorway and lay all of the garbage and all the things we just talked about at the altar, at the feet of Jesus. Because when you leave those there that are heavy, his burden is light. And then we're going to start working with Jesus on figuring out how that works. Because I tell me, I, mean, I trust you when I, I tell you, I have had many times in my walk with him, especially this last four and a half years as a pastor, where I don't know what tomorrow to do. But every day I ask him to give me wisdom. Give me wisdom and knowledge to lead your people, Lord. And that's what he'll do for you every day. 
He'll let you know what to do that day. And then he'll let you know what to do the next day. And maybe you're in that second group where you've actually held the miracle. You held the calling. You were serving the Lord in a way or in your calling. And you know that you were, but something happened. Something happened that wasn't your fault or something happened that was completely your fault. Whichever the case, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He does not change his mind. Amen? So one of those two situations, wherever you find yourself this morning, we stay, we'll stay as late as we need to. We don't even have another service that we have to, to fill after this. But you come down here and you take the step to the doorway and you receive what God has for you this morning. Amen? I'm going to pray over you. And when I say amen, I want you to immediately come down here. Father, I just thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that your word is 100% true. It is infallible. It endures forever. I thank you that the giftings and callings that you placed on all of us here are irrevocable, that they'd never end, that you never stop speaking purpose, that you never stop speaking promise. And so today, as we come forward and we take the step to the doorway, you're going to meet us there. And we're going to lay all of our stuff on the ground at the altar, and we're going to pick up your burden, and we're going to choose to walk it out in faith one step at a time every single day. So we do that now by your power, Father, not of our own. In Jesus' name, and everybody here said amen. Amen. Do you receive that word, Pathway? Amen. Yeah, give Jesus one more applause. Start coming now. And we're going to stay here as long as we need it, but listen to the sound of my voice. Do not skip out of here if you need to be down here. We have life group launch going on outside, and so if you don't have a group, find one. But if that message spoke to your heart, I want you to take the faith step. And we'll be down here as long as we need to to pray for you. God bless you guys. I love you. The best is yet to come. I'll see you next week, same time, same place.